Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges for modern parenting. Check out this week's episode. Um, Mom? Yes, Boo Bear? After I turn 18, do I still have to wear a leash when we go out? Hmm. Well, I guess it depends on how good you are at the store today. Really? You mean it? How long are you going to keep telling me what to do? I think I know what you're asking. And the answer is, I don't know. It's not an overnight thing. It's a, it's a very long, very gradual process. What do you mean, we? What are you talking about? I'm you, silly, when you were 18. And you're me when I'm 53? 40. Oof, well, can't have it all, I guess. The Struggle is Real podcast starts in 3, 2, 1. I always love those intros. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Struggle is Real. I am Omar Ramos, along with my Struggle is Real podcast team. Hello, ladies. Hello, Veronica Avila, and of course, our resident expert, Dr. Lisa Laos. Honestly, how are you guys doing today? Very sick still. <laughs> a little, push through, I, I got push a through, cold push through. And, and a little coughing, so if I cough a little bit, I'll just excuse myself for a little bit and I'll, I'll be right back. But and we're doing good. That's great. Dr. Lisa just got back from Peru. Yeah, it was yeah. really great. It was awesome. Hashtag good time. Okay, well, I'm glad that everybody's doing well. Today, we have a topic that will hit home in many ways as our kids are moving forward to hit the big 1818. We've named it 18-year-olds, the home stretch. That's right. And joining the conversation is Ana Morante. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist and bilingual and bicultural exponent of the program Family Wellness. Now, we spoke to her before during the NARMI conference last summer. Welcome back, Ana. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to hear you, Ana. I want to ask you guys the million-dollar question. What was that one thing you wanted to do when you turned 18 and you felt you were an adult that you couldn't do before? Uh, what are you getting nervous for? I don't know. I think I wanted to do a lot of things, <laughs> but I didn't from do the past. any of them because it felt like 18 was going to be an adult age, but in my family, it was just another day. <laughs> Still, everything remained the same. I don't know. How about you, doctor? The same thing. I think growing up in a Latino family, mm -hmm. you know, honestly, I just remember passing the, the licensing exam. I took a long time to take it. And that's the one thing I remember when I was 18, finishing that milestone. Well, but, there you go. You know, my side, I, it felt, you know, growing up in the States, mm -hmm. they feed your mind with as soon as you hit 18, like the world is yours and you're going to cross the state line and you're going to be free. And that's what I thought. Uh -huh. But little did I know, my mom was like, uh, not going to have it. <laughs> you live in my house. You follow the rules. You're 18, 20 or you're 50. You're still going to do what I tell you to do. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess I would say that one thing that I wanted to do was just grab the family car and just drive it by myself without my mom being in the car at the same time. Because that was like the most embarrassing thing because I would go I'd get dropped off at the mall I get dropped off wherever I needed yeah. to go and they're always there why can't I come along I am your mother <laughs> um so yeah that was like the one thing that I yearned I want to drive I have my license please do not go inside the car with me <laughs> I'm gonna go I'm gonna take the road alone <laughs> how about you Anna I have a funny story for that one when I turned 18 I was still in Peru in Peru 18 is the legal age for drinking ah but yeah, so my father actually brought me to Miami. Uh, we had a, a long trip, and it was going to be right around my 18th birthday. So I was so excited. I'm finally going to be able to have a drink legally. <laughs> and then I come here to Miami, and there's, sorry, drinking age is 21. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, oh, bummer. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, there you go. Now, 18 uh, nowadays is still like, is it still a benchmark to go out and just be an adult? But what really is adulthood, doctor? Good question. It's paying bills. <laughs> yeah. Paying your, paying your taxes. <laughs> yes. Getting a job, being responsible for all these adult. Adulting is not that fun. Kids that are 18, maybe they start getting into it. And I've, I've heard of many going back to going, no, mom, take me back. I don't like this. <laughs> this adulting work is too much. That's for sure. And we're going to be talking about that. Mm, dun, 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 dun. So, or never leaving home. <laughs> yeah. Or never leaving home. No, please leave home. Please. Yeah. One point. Spread those wings. Okay. So I'd like to uh, share some quick facts here in this podcast. You can't drink until you're 21, but until you're an adult, along with voting and the ability to join the military, comes at the age of 18. Also, mm-hmm. you're allowed to watch adult movies at 17. And kids can hold a job as young as 14, depending on the state's restrictions, and can often deliver new newspapers babysit or work for their parents even younger than that Hmm, yeah but this is very interesting maturity of the body well they say humans are sexually mature after puberty and that comes around anywhere between age 8 and 13 for girls and between 9 and 14 for boys but is that really becoming an adult I'm sure there are, there's other factors involved, just like you said, becoming also financially responsible and just the maturity level at mm-hmm. some point. So with all that being said, why don't we go and listen to our first sketch? This is called Leash Kid. Hmm. <laughs> Lenny, oh. are you on your phone? Oh. What did I say about using your phone on the toilet? It's how we get pink eye. It's time to wash your hands. Go ahead and flush. But I'm... I'm not done. If you can look at your phone, you're done in the bathroom. Come on. I need five minutes. One. One minute. Two. Please. Two and a half. (sighs) Fine. I better hear you wash your hands. I am. I am. Gosh, give me a little privacy. When you're done, I'm going to take you to the store. Hmm? What do you think of that, Boo Bear? Uh... Oh, come on. It'll be fun. I want to buy you a little suit for your birthday party with a little bow tie and a vest. Doesn't that sound cute? You don't want to go shopping with me? Come on out here. I don't want to wear a suit to my birthday party. It's a Wild West birthday party. I want to be a cowboy. They had gentlemen in the Wild West too, you know. Wouldn't you rather be a gentleman in a fancy suit with a little hat? You could make that look real good, Boo Bear. Mom... I want to be a cowboy. What did I say about pouting? That it makes me sound like a little kid. That's right. And you're not a little kid anymore, are you, Boo Bear? What are you? Hmm. Mommy's little man. Oh, yeah. That's right you are. So handsome. I can't believe you're turning 18 already. Maybe after we pick up your cowboy suit, we can pick you up a little present, too. Okay. Now, come on, Boo Bear. Let's go. Get your harness. Do I have to? Can't you just hold my hand when we cross the street? Absolutely not. I know you didn't wash your hands in there. You just had the sink running. I'm not holding your grubby little hands. I did, too, wash them. Which soap did you use? The, um, blue one? Hmm. Tahitian Daydream? Let me smell. Well, actually, I... I didn't. I Mm -hmm. I didn't wash my hands. I know, Boo Bear. It's okay. Get back in there and wash real good. And then get your harness on, okay? That store's real big. I don't want you running away from me, you hear? Fine. 
Um, Mom? Yes, Boo Bear? After I turn 18, do I still have to wear a leash when we go out? Hmm. Well, I guess it depends on how good you are at the store today. Really? You mean it? Maybe. Now go wash your hands already. I don't got all day. Yes! Boo Bear? What do you have to remember? That I love you and that you love me too. That's right! Mommy loves you! Now hurry up! Alright, well that was interesting. I don't know, he was 18? He was going to be 18. That's Lenny. My goodness. And as we heard, mom still treats him, well, as a kid. I have a seven-year-old and I think my kid tells me, mommy, don't say that in front of my friends. Doctor, help. Help. <laughs> What's well. going on here? And how can we avoid being that mom? Obviously, the skit is making fun yeah. of parents who are just hovering over the kids and not letting go, just having a hard time. I wonder if adolescence was created for that period so that as parents, we can transition over into adulthood. You know, that, that mm -hmm. friction that tends to happen where there's a little bit more distance and, yes. and push back and pull back so that then when they turn the corner and they eventually turn into adults that we're more willing to let go because enough enmity has been put in between <laughs> in terms goodness. of the anger and frustration. Yeah, but you know, if you as a, as a mom or a dad, for that matter, are feeling like you need to treat your child like they're still seven or four or five and they're 18, that's definitely something to be mindful of and check in. It almost sounds irrational. In, yes. And let's get kind of concerning, but I think they're just making fun of and poking fun of as parents wanting to let go. Hmm. You know, it's funny because I work with somebody that kind of is going through the situation. I'm not going to mention any names, uh -huh. but I work with someone and I've seen this many times during this time that I've known this individual and it's like, oh my goodness, it just drives me nuts. I just feel like telling him something like, hey man, like, don't you feel like you need to do your own thing now? Mm -hmm. Because you start noticing like little deficiencies, like... I think that's a decision that he should be making now that he's 32 years old. But, uh, okay. Now, Anna, Yikes. I would like to talk to you now. How yeah. important is it to start allowing kids to be autonomous at an earlier age so that by the time they hit 18, hopefully they are ready to go into the world on their own? It's adolescence, like Alicia said. It's a period of lots of changes and especially starting to claim your own person and what you want and what you think because if you're going to be out of the home by 18, even if you're not, you need to start defining who you are. I do have a now 20, almost 23-year-old daughter. So that period for me was very interesting. And one of the things that I started doing is when she was 16, uh, so she was like a junior in high school, I started looking at her as, okay, she's an adult in training. So at this point, my job is not to tell her what to do, because I told her all 16 years, right? So she knows exactly what my values are. But now my job is to observe what are her decisions and what is she doing with her life and kind of like stay on the side, close enough to kind of like give her guidance if she asks for it or to give her some support, but definitely encouraging her to make her own decisions, to discover things for herself, because when she went to the university, she was on her own. Mm -hmm. And I wanted her to be thinking about it. And then once she's out there, then she can make sound choices, hopefully, right? Because you've already that. established that. Mm -hmm. that well, Veronica, mm -hmm. let me break the news for you. Uh -huh. <laughs> they won't necessarily make wise choices, but they have to make their own choices. True, true. We know that our brain, the frontal lobe of our brain, which is the part where people make rational decisions, continue developing until 
we are 25 now. Some people say even 30 years old. Mm -hmm. So by 18, our brain is not fully formed yet. So kids will make some poor choices like we all make, even as adults. Mm -hmm. And I think the struggle for us parents is to witness that and to not try to rescue our kids or mm -hmm. still kind of like tell our kids what to do, because otherwise they will never find their own way. And for me, believe me, one of the hardest things was to see my daughter make some poor choices and have to stay on the side yep. and let her be and let her learn from those mistakes. Mm -hmm. That's interesting that you say that. Stay on the sideline, watch them make their choices, and then kind of just watch them make the mistake, but then also encourage them to get up and keep going. Is that sound to say? By all means, by all means. Once I heard that parent, we as parents have to grow with our kids. And many times, especially what I've observed in my experience working with Latino moms and being a Latino mom myself, mm -hmm. is we think that we are the same mom until the kids die, <laughs> until we die, basically, forever and ever. We'll always see our kids are baby, like this mom calling her almost 18-year-old son Boo Bear, right? <laughs> so we think our kids are going to be our kids forever, and we don't realize that they are their own person. Mm -hmm. So we also need to grow in our motherhood role. Yes. And understand that when we are a mom of an 18-year-old or older, we are not anymore the person who has to be there behind them telling them what to do, but actually observing who they are. And just they call it kind of like a consultant, being a consultant. You're there when they ask for it, mm -hmm. when they need your support, when they ask for your opinion. And if they don't, I myself better have a friend to talk about my own struggles of parenting an adult kid because it is very difficult. But I need to talk to another person, not to my kid, mm -hmm. and pass on my own anxieties yes. and my own fears, which will, is going to interfere with them making their own choices and becoming their own person. Wow, most definitely. Now, Dr. Laos, what happens if you're that parent that shelters them? But what happens to, you, to your kid? What happens to that person when he or she becomes an adult? Perhaps once they're living it radically lifted from the cage that they're in uh, we've seen kids that just kind of go wild and test mm -hmm. everything because I've been sheltered for so long or the other thing that we've seen is just and we've talked about it before in this podcast is just the difficulty and challenge in making day-to-day -day decisions and I've talked to lots of different educators in mm -hmm. colleges and and even high school and they just say that one of the most challenging things today is having kids just not be able to make simple decisions mm -hmm. and that they're constantly texting parents or just people for, you know, what's the next yeah. step. If we're not allowing kids the opportunity within their age range and within, you know, what makes developmental say sense, if we're not giving them a chance to work through some of that and we're always rescuing them or treating them, you know, as seven-year-olds forever, then we're not giving them the gift to work things through and figure it out and, and then learn what decision-making takes and what those steps require because mm -hmm. we're always rescuing them. So then they create that sense of insecurity in them, I think. Like, should I, should I not? We're actually creating more anxiety in mm. who they are as an individual because then they're not developing within the safety net of what's developmentally appropriate, you know, some security about decision-making. Mm -hmm. And so then when you have more difficult decisions later in life, you feel awfully insecure because you haven't exercise that muscle, if you will. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're exercising that muscle accordingly, according to your age, developmentally, you're growing into it. Later in life, you have bigger decisions and you're more confident because you've practiced it. But let's say you haven't practiced it and all of a sudden you're thrown into a whirlwind and it's a difficult, strong decision. And someone says, hey, try this. Well, you haven't practiced 
practiced, mm-hmm. you know, and so you're just kind of carried through or you feel a strong sense of insecurity, anxiety about taking the next step. That makes total sense. Great stuff. Thank you so much, Dr. Alicia, for sharing that with us. Now we're going to go ahead and move forward. Guess what? We have our next scene ready to rock and roll. This is called No Questions Asked. Ah, right. Tur- turn off the lights. Ah, fine, fine, but sit up, will you? Can you wait? I feel awful. No, it can't. Okay. About our no questions asked policy. Your mom and I think you're abusing it. You know that it's something we do ultimately for your protection. No matter where you are, if you're in a situation where you can't get yourself home, you have to call us. We'll come pick you up, bring you home, no questions asked. That's the deal. We explained, or at least I I thought we explained, that we don't want you putting yourself in harm's way just because you're afraid of getting in trouble. For instance, if you drove home drunk to avoid getting caught... Do you have any thoughts about anything I'm saying? I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I'm not asking you to apologize. But, I mean, come on. Steve, help me out a little bit. Two times already this month... I've had to pick you up in the middle of the night at some party where you're, you're almost too drunk to talk. And it's happened five times this year. Did, did, did you think we were just not going to talk about it? Um, I guess so. I mean, I don't know. You're grounded for two months. No going out except to school. Anything else your mom and me got to approve, okay? All right. Is there still a no questions asked policy? I gotta be honest here, Stephen. You're you're not exactly inspiring a lot of trust. You're gonna be in college soon, you know, out on your own. Your your mom and I are worried that if if you don't learn some self control, you could get yourself in serious trouble. Aren't I an adult? You're not 21. No. Well, but if I wanted to smoke now, would you have a problem with that? You bet we would. But you and mom smoked until you were in your 30s. Steve. We've talked before about how harmful cigarettes can be. And frankly, I don't think you want to turn this around on your mom and me right now. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm sorry. I'm just... I don't know. I I can't find the right words. My head hurts. I just want to know if I'm an adult, and you and mom are both adults. And I I know what it sounds like, but I'm seriously not trying to to be disrespectful. But how long are you going to keep telling me what to do? I think I know what you're asking, and the answer is, I don't know. It's not an overnight thing. It's a, it's a very long, very gradual process. You're, you'll leave home soon for college, and your, your circle of, of privacy, of adulthood, will get a little bit bigger, along with your maturity level, I would hope. And then once you get used to that circle, you move away on your own after college, and the circle gets a little bigger. And by then, obviously... You're older than 21, so it's legal. If you want to have a drink from time to time, that'll be your business. But you'll also be balancing just a a whole load of responsibilities, holding down a job, turning it into a career, taking care of your bills, your your credit, your taxes, your day-to-day stuff. I mean, maybe, maybe you start a family. And then it just keeps growing because now you're doing all of that for yourself and for someone else. Sort of goes hand in hand the perks and the responsibility, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Good, good. I'm glad. Now, 
you're still in pretty deep doo-doo. I'm not going to let you sleep through your hangover all nice and quiet up here. Okay, get dressed. Come downstairs. You're going to help me with the gutters. Fine. Five minutes. All right, any more. I don't come back so nice. I, I got it, sir. All right. Okay, so we're back, and that was Steve and his dad. Apparently, they have a no-questions-asked policy where, in the event, if he gets into a situation at any place, mom and dad can go and get him without no questions asked. Nobody's going to inquire anything. But Steve has abused, apparently, of the policy using it over five times this year. So dad talks to him about it. Dr. Alicia, what lesson is dad teaching Steve here? I don't know. It seems like there's there's some pros and there's some cons here. Yeah, it's an interesting approach. I know some people, what lesson the dad obviously is clearly articulating it, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. and showing that there's consequences and is concerned about him and things like that. Um, it's an interesting idea to provide some room, knowing that kids are going to be risky and do things and at least provide some safety parameters so that they can go to you. Some parents would say no, because that's saying, yes, go ahead and go crazy. And then we'll turn the other way and not look. And therefore, we're not really helping you because we're sending you mixed messages. We're saying it's okay to indulge in things that we disagree with. So for some parents, this seems like a good idea. And for some, they're thinking, yeah, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to do that route. <laughs> um, so you, both parents, I think you need to figure out what is comfortable. If something like this makes sense to you, you need to talk it out. And then understand that possibly if you go this route, you're going to have a situation like the one that Steve is in where he abused it because all of these things, whether it's let's assume that, in you know, there's drugs or whatever they may be, they're soft entries. Mm-hmm. They're, we all know that they're soft entries. We've talked about it here. So once you enter into something, it's you're going to do it again. See, if you as a parent, you probably need to have a conversation. What's going to happen if it is abused when it is abused? Mm-hmm. Now, you also mentioned something that's key here. You're sending mixed messages. How important, Anna, is it to set clear rules even when they reach 18? I know you said you have a a daughter that's in her early 20s. What's been your experience and what has worked and what hasn't? Hmm. What has worked and what hasn't in terms of rules and having clear rules? Mm -hmm. Well, definitely having clear rules and also being consistent with them Mm -hmm. is huge. And I think in this case, I think Father has a lot of really interesting points and really helpful points. What I'm concerned about is he doesn't seem to be following his own rule, which is no questions asked, (laughs) especially (laughs) when the guy is under the influence. We know that when someone is under the influence, that's not the time to talk about anything that's going to make sense. So this could have been an interesting conversation to have maybe the day after or at some other point. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to be first the one who models that when we have rules, we're going to go by them. The other thing that I wanted to say about this, I'm connecting it a little bit with our prior situation. Here, one of the things that the father was demonstrating was that him and the mom were on the same page. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very important thing when you parent, especially an adolescent or a person going into adulthood, is to have one very clear message so that the kids don't get confused. And the other point is kids need to find their own way. And I know that sometimes that is very difficult for parents to observe. But when we are talking about kids that are overly compliant and we are expecting them to follow our rules, even when they are 18, to an extent that is not appropriate for their age. What we are doing is actually not helping them exercise that muscle, like Alicia said, of, okay, checking in with themselves and finding what works for them, being who they are. 
Every child is different. Every person is different. And there will be kids that are more susceptible to peer pressure. There are other kids that kind of like have more their own center, regardless of what other people say. But what I find is in adolescence, it's very common. It's part of the age to be want, to want to be part of the group. So they are going to do things that maybe they personally would never do because everybody else in the group is doing it just to be part of that group. So in that sense, helping our kids exercise the muscle of knowing what they want and take, making decisions for themselves is very important. And they have to learn it at home. If not, then they will never be able to say no to things that they're not comfortable with. One of my more extreme cases, I had a client who was suffering uh, from domestic violence. She was a victim. And when I looked into her history, there was no domestic violence in her house. And her parents seemed to be very nice and very appropriate. However, she was a very, very compliant girl. And sounds like her father was very strict. So in that sense, what we observed was that she was not able to stand up for herself and to look for what she wants. She was always following somebody else's rules. And unfortunately, when she got into this relationship with someone who was using power and control, she did not have the ability to stand up for herself. Hmm. So to me, that was a really good kind of like example of how important it is for us as parents to help our kids, especially starting at kind of mid especially 18, to be able to have a voice and to figure out what makes sense for them being the person of who they are. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, articulating that for us. Now, um, Dr. Alicia, I'm going to ask you two questions. The first one is, if today's young adults just don't want to follow the rules, what advice can we give parents so they, they, you know, they can go ahead and enforce them? You know, if they're living under your household... (laughs) <laughs> They're making funny signs here with kicking them out of the house. Um, I'll describe it. But, you know, yeah. if they're living in your house and they're not following the rules, I know some parents will, will definitely exercise just some more, more restrictions or really encourage them to pay a bill or mm-hmm. do some more specific responsibilities um, now that they're an adult and mm-hmm. require that of them. There's the ultimatum. You know, you got to go and live on your own and, and, and do your own things. Before we get so strict and crazy and just say, okay, you're out of here if you don't do this and have ultimatums that then we can't even follow ourselves because they're so strict and overpowering and ridiculous that then we feel terrible about them and then we want to take our words back and then our words mean nothing. So instead of doing all that, think about some specific things that you can do to raise an adult. Like Anna said, adolescence is a training ground for for adulting. Mm -hmm. So how can you do that in a way that makes sense and is reasonable? I guess my own example, I contributed in my house as soon as I got a job. I paid, I don't know, a cell bill or an electric bill or something very within my means. But it taught me responsibility Mm -hmm. and it taught me ownership. I understood it and it opened up, you know, I only have this much money and I have to pay the car or the insurance. I can't remember what it was, but I knew that I had to be accountable for things. So when I finally left the home, it wasn't like, whoa, you know, you have all of this. And then it's scary and overwhelming and it's difficult to manage. So I think as parents, we can, instead of waiting for, you know, kick the 18 year old out of their couch mm-hmm. and waiting for years and years and then not doing anything and then it being so frustrating and ultimately the 18 you know the deadline comes or 21 or whatever that deadline it is for you in your mind and then at that day you're going to say you didn't do it and therefore you're going to leave mm-hmm. I would suggest having some process that's more continuous and and just makes more sense it makes total sense yeah there's a lot of friction that happens sometimes you know in that process where you're trying to teach your kids how to be responsible with 
whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I experienced it. I mean, I thought I had the world in my hand and I caused my parents a lot of headaches. But, you know, every situation is different, obviously. And the second question that I want to ask you, it, it could be it, it's a very broad question and it's a different situation for different families. But in your expertise, at what point <laughs> do you let them go out into the real world, Dr. Alicia? Please don't wait until they're 35. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so you set the bar 35, all right. But you, no, I'm just playing. No, no, but you know what? You mentioned something that's, that's I think it's a reality in, in many homes nowadays. I know I've come across young adults that aren't so young anymore. They're in their 30s and they're still home. Yeah, Why or they come happening? back home. Or they're coming home. There's a lot of different realities. Financial circumstances are not the same. Can't find a job. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they, the American dream, as it's laid out to them, unfortunately disappoints and they're just not able to get things in order. And I mean, you know, there's so every child is so different and there's so many nuances. We have to treat everyone accordingly. I think it is a challenge and it's difficult. And of course, as parents, we our heart aches for our kids. We want them to do well and we don't want them to suffer and we don't want them to be under a bridge, right? So we want to do the best. So I, I don't have a clear cut answer. I think it's just a difficult circumstance that every parent has to figure out. But I just do think that we still have to hold our kids accountable and hold them responsible. Yes. And ultimately, we do want them to be out there. Most definitely. So. Great advice. Thank you for that. Now let's move on to our last scenario. This oh, is called... Already? Le- yes. All right. Okay. okay. And it's called you know treat yourself woohoo it's midnight time to turn 40 here's to me Jenny Plimpton I may not have a big party to go to or a bunch of fancy friends but it's still my birthday (sighs) happy birthday to me happy Wake up! What? I said wake up! Let me get a look at you. Did you fall asleep in your clothes? What are you wearing? What is that? Um, a name tag? (laughs) I get it. You at a costume party, right? Can't believe I missed it. Man, we sure do go to bed early now. Do you have a big day tomorrow? Um, not particularly. Particularly? What do you mean, we? What are you talking about? I'm you, silly, when you were 18. And you're me when I'm 53? 40. Oof, well, can't have it all, I guess. Working hard, raising a family, must take its toll somewhere. Where's Bobby? I want to get a picture with the 40-year-old him. It'll, like, totally blow his mind. Who? Bobby. Bobby Wilcox? Prom King of William Levy High, 1994 and 1995? Hello? Ugh, you mean that jerk I used to date? I don't know where he is. Running around with some girl half his age, probably. You should look him up. I'm going back to bed. This is ridiculous. I didn't even drink that glass of champagne. Me and Bobby broke up? We were in love. What did you do? What did I do? I dumped his sorry butt. He started cheating on me the second he got to college. Two words of advice, young me. Long distance sucks. All right, well, who did we end up marrying? Do you see a ring on this finger? Single, thank you very much. It would make me feel a lot better if you took that funny costume off and changed into some actual pajamas. Maybe let me fix our hair. There is nothing wrong with our hair, and this isn't a costume. It's our work clothes. Where do we work? We work at Custom Uniforms at 18th and Main. 
You're kidding. I am not kidding. We're assistant manager, actually. You studied fashion design and now you sell generic brand factory direct one size fits all clothing to cooks and janitors? Cooks gotta wear clothes too, Jenny. And you know what? We didn't study fashion design. We had the time of our lives living in New Mexico for nine years and then we got an online business degree instead of racking up six figures in student loans. You're welcome. How could you waste our 20s living in New Mexico? We did some very beautiful things with turquoise. We had a plan. Fashion school, study in Europe, move to New York, work our way up the design ladder, run our own fashion line by the time we're 40, which is today. It was a good plan. What happened? What happened was that we built a plan around someone else's life, around Bobby Wilcox, of all people. We wanted to study fashion in Ohio. Really? Ohio? Know a lot of big fashion designers living in Ohio? I I don't think so. I took some time for myself, lived an incredible life, and now I'm supporting myself, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm so mad at you right now. You do not take that tone with me, young lady. Who do you think you're talking to? Look at us, Jenny. Look where you are. Can you honestly say this is where you wanted to be when you were my age? No. You think I'm proud of this? You think this is what I wanted for us? It's not. And to be honest, I hate my life. Then do something about it. Hello? Mademoiselle Plimpton? Mademoiselle Plimpton? Well? Pardon me, mademoiselle, but I have the full lineup for you to approve. I'm sorry, I just... I think I need to get some fresh air. Absolutely, mademoiselle. This is your company. Would you like me to schedule the rest of the day off? Yes, because I own my own fashion line, and you're my assistant, and I'm living in France? No, mademoiselle. You are in New York City. Oh, well, that's still pretty good. You do not return to your estate in Paris for another week. <laughs> All right. My estate in Paris. I guess I forgot. You know how it is with estates. But of course. I will show myself out. Adieu. Adieu. Wow. Way to go, Jenny. Happy birthday to we. We? Oh, nothing. Okay. All right. That was pretty cool. Now, we heard Jenny, who's now 40... But then we heard her in a dream. She dreamt that she met the 18-year-old version of herself and what could have been if she hadn't reached her professional goals. Now, fortunately, she apparently became professionally successful. We don't know much about her personal life or the real life she has at the present time, but let's talk about plans for life, Anna. How do we guide our kids to stay on track on that big plan? Most of the kids have this big plan, this big dream of what they want for their life. How do we prepare them to stay on track? I think we need to start early and we need to let them know that although life always brings its own surprises, we have the power to decide where are we going to be planning and where do we want to be. When my oldest daughter finished uh, middle school, 
mm-hmm. actually. We sat down and we did a one-year plan, a four-year plan for where she wanted to see herself in her life. Then when she finished high school, then we did, a, again, a one-year plan, a four-year plan, and then a 20-year plan so that she can visualize herself doing uh, what she loves to do. And it's interesting now when we sit down and review those plans when she was an eighth grader and then a, a, a freshman in high school and then in college. Amazingly, many of the things that she wanted to do, she were she was able to achieve them. And I think it's very, very important that um, we help our kids have that vision. Yes. Because with their young age, they don't see necessarily how to build for the future. But with our encouragement, they can see that when you have a direction to go, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to achieve it and you have to be flexible. But at the same time, it helps you to put your energy where you want it to be. Yes. So I think planning is a good thing. And I know that it's very, especially when you enter college and as you exit college, it's very anxiety provoking mm-hmm. because you don't know. It's a big world. It's, things are changing so fast, especially with technology. And so I see a lot of my daughter's friends were going through a lot of anxiety and depression, especially in their senior year. Mm-hmm. So it is pretty scary, actually, I would say, to be in their 18s and in their 20s is, to me, one of the scariest parts because it's kind of like this is going to define almost the course of the rest of your life. Yeah. So it is a very important stage. And again, I think kids need or, or the young person needs to take the lead. But we as parents can be there supporting them. And I think our job is more than anything, help them to think. Mm -hmm. We don't want to think for themselves. We don't want to tell them what to do. But we want to encourage them to think for themselves and to make plans and to own the fact that whatever choices they make today will impact their future. Yeah, that's very important because, you know, nowadays when I get to hang out with my daughter who just turned 12, by the way, happy birthday, Lenny. Um, we sit down and I do precisely that. I ask her to think about what she would like to do when she's older. And I do this because one of the wonderful things about working in the media field is that I get to do a lot of pep talks at mm-hmm. schools. And I do this as uh, volunteer work because I think it's important to give back to the community. And I listen to so many stories. Uh, whether it be in junior high, high school, or even college, people that are about, young adults that are about to graduate, they're freaking out. Yep. They're freaking out. They they see everything that's evolving and happening around them, all these companies that are closing and all this stuff that's just kind of collapsing in front of their faces. So I sit down and I ask questions to my daughter to see exactly where she's at. And, you know, according to her, she's going to be a um, CEO of a slime making company. So, which is cool, right? (laughs) Right not? Um, So where am I going with this? There's a lot of people out there that have dreams. I had them once. Not everything happened the way that I wanted Mm -hmm. it to happen. I wanted to be a professional baseball player, but I ended up working in the sports field, right? But it seems like the window is just kind of closing little by little, little by little. And I mean, so many people graduating every year and and, and they want to grasp and do something that they're going to wake up every day and be happy about doing it. So Dr. Alicia, as much as you plan your dream life, there's always that one humongous chance that not every aspect of that dream may come true. How do we prep our kids to be ready to change any plan that they may have for the future so that they don't get overwhelmed by anxiety or become frustrated and just kind of throw everything out the window? Yeah, good question. I think of of dream or vision instigators and those, not instigators, but things that propel it or expand that vision and dream. And I think of things that diminish it. Mm -hmm. And so things that just 
can really create depression and anxiety and chaos. Mm-hmm. There's so much exposure to social media and things like that. And you're constantly, not social media, but the platforms, they're constantly bombarding with negative stories. And then I think that if you're constantly on it, it could create a sense of the world is a terrible world to be in. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that helps with the anxiety and, and pushing forward. So creating some boundaries around that, I think, is important in helping our kids recognize that obviously you want to be consciously aware of things and the things that are happening in the world. But if you don't create some boundaries around that, mm-hmm. that can really doesn't help. You know, you're just constantly listening or writing, reading articles about how terrible jobs are for the future. You know, you're not, you're not going to feel a sense of peace about the opportunities that are out there. And so that's not going to help. So that's one thing. But I think as parents, our job is also to think about how we can nourish the vision and the dream to the extent that we can. And now as kids, you're going to have a vision of your future that is limited to your circumstances around you. Mm -hmm. So what can we do as parents? We can help expand that by providing opportunities that expand that according to what's developmentally appropriate. If you can take a trip down the next, down the street to the Mm -hmm. next community over, can you have them see different jobs? Do you have a friend that is a business person or the teacher or whatever? Can mm-hmm. can you have them and introduce them to different fields. Uh, fields, especially if you see that they have an interest and are really keen on it? Can you take them to that thing that like my kid loves biology? Can I take them to a biology museum? Do I know someone that is interested in it? Can you expand it so that then they can nurture that vision? And then mm-hmm. it's, it's not just limited to what they originally see. Can you provide them with some tools that could help them continue to build on that. If they like drawing, could you give them an art table, you know, Mm -hmm. or something like that? Can you take them to an art class that's extra because you just want to nourish that in them? So I think as parents, we can do that to help facilitate that, you know, that opportunity. And then the third is I think we should teach our kids to learn how to cope with rejection because I think rejection is going to come mm-hmm. across different fields. Sometimes you get a great idea and that idea or that passion may not follow through and then you feel terribly disappointed and you might then take it personally as a personal a failure or something uh-huh. in who you are as an individual. And I think it'd be great if we can develop a strong character that helps our kids recognize sometimes you get an idea a curveball may go through and that might not be the right pathway might be something else and that you need to just maneuver flexible move forward yeah process that it hurts and we want to be empathic to it but just being able to be okay with rejection and almost Mm -hmm. expect it sometimes so that then you can have be able to buffer and create resiliency which is the ability to bounce back from that and move forward awesome i love that advice Going back into uh, to the 18-year-olds, people are waiting longer to get married nowadays, longer to have children. We know that's a fact. But some psychologists are saying that now there's this, what they're calling a prolonged adolescence that goes into the 20s. So what will finally make our kids an adult, not necessarily becoming 18? Yes, it is. In fact, we are living at an age that um, more and more you need to be prepared to take different jobs in society. And for that, you need to have some preparation. Most of, Sometimes it's going to be college. Sometimes you need to get even a master's or a doctorate degree. And that prolongs the time where people are choosing to kind of focus on themselves and develop themselves rather than forming a family right away. Mm-hmm. So in the past, as soon as you hit high school, you finish high school, well, the next step is, okay, get a job and get married and get, have kids. And even before, not even high school. So society is evolving as we are evolving in general with our mm-hmm. technology and everything. So that makes sense that now 
there are many kids because there are some that are choosing not to still go to college, but there are some kids that are choosing a longer path of developing themselves as individuals. The definition of when are you really an adult is very fluid, it's very flexible, it's going to be different for different people. And the important thing is when can you consider yourself that you can be self-sufficient in this world? And like we were mentioning before too, maybe be responsible even for other people like a partner or children when they come. So that I don't think there's a specific age that we can say now you're formally an adult. And sometimes even when people get married and have their own kids, they don't fully reach adulthood because they are still dependent, let's say, on what their parents say. So I think adulthood is more more than a physical or an age situation. Mm -hmm. It's an emotional state of being of when can I feel that I can stand up in my own two feet and be able to be, I would say, interdependent. Not necessarily independent, but not also dependent on other people. But how can I stand up and be my own person and at the same time be able to provide things for other people around me, especially when I decide, if I decide and when I decide to form a family? Makes sense. Very cool. I like that. It's not a physical thing, but an emotional thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm on the same track. Now, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. Anna, I would love to ask you where we could learn more about your work and your services and all that good stuff. Absolutely. So you can find me online at anamorante.com. You can also read something about me in the Family Wellness page at familywellness.com. Very cool. And that's a program that we provide education for families. And if you want my phone number, it's 408-250-2261. I am in California. So actually, I have a lot of sun in front of me right now. Very nice. We envy you. Good envy, though. (laughs) (laughs) Doctor, what are your final words for today's Keeping It Real segment? I think our kids are going to grow up. We know that already. Let's prepare them for the adulthood gradually. Provide with them opportunities for responsibility. Just being very thoughtful and very purposeful and giving them a roadmap of what that looks like in the future so that as they enter into the adult world, they're not as lost or as aimless. There you go. Awesome. Well, with that said, that ends today's episode of The Struggle is Real. Additional resources are available at FamilyBridgesUSA.org. Stay on top of everything and The Struggle is Real through social media with the hashtag The Struggle is Real or hashtag TSIR. Like always, thank you so very mucho for listening. I am Omar Ramos. Dr. Alicia Laos. And I'm Veronica Avila. Till next time. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Doctors Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com.